Section 49 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Shuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 49, Part 2. Pao Yu thereupon came to look up Tai Yu. Obed read the record of the western side room, he smiled, and understood a few passages of it. Yet when I quoted some in order to make you laugh, you flew into a huff. But I now remember that there is, indeed, a passage which is not intelligible to me. So let me quote it for you to explain it for me. Hearing this, Tai Yu immediately concluded that his words harbored some secret meaning. So, putting on a smile, recite it and let me hear it, she said. In the confusion chapter, Bao Yu laughingly began, there is a line coached in most beautiful language. It's this. What time did Meng Guang receive Dan Hong, candlestick? Meaning, when did you and Bao Chai get to be such friends? These five characters simply bear on a stock story, but to the credit of the writer, be it the question contained in the three empty words representing what time it said so charmingly. When did you receive it? Do tell me. At this inquiry, Dai Yu too could not help laughing. The question was originally nicely put. She felt urged to rejoin with a laugh, but though the writer said as gracefully, was it likewise with equal grace. At one time, Bao Yu observed, all you knew was to suspect that I was in love with Bao Chai, and have you now no faults to find? Whoever could have imagined her such a really nice girl? Dai Yu smiled. I've all along thought her full of guile. And seizing the occasion, she told Bao Yu with full particulars how she had, in the game of four feats, made an improper quotation, and what advice Bao Chai had given her on the subject. How she had even sent her some birds' nests, and what they had said in the course of the chat they had had during her illness. Bao Yu then at length came to see why it was that such a warm friendship had sprung up between them. To tell you the truth, he consequently remarked smilingly, I was just wondering when Meng Guan had received Yang Hong's candlestick, and lo, you indeed got it, when a mere child and through some reckless talk, and your friendship was sealed. As the conversation again turned on Bao Qing, Dai Yu recalled to mind that she had no sister, and she could not help melting once more into tears. Bao Yu hastened to reason with her. This is again bringing trouble upon yourself, he argued. Just see how much thinner you are this year than you were last. And don't you yet look after your health? You deliberately worry yourself every day of your life. And when you've had a good cry, you feel at last that you've acquitted yourself of the duties of the day. Of late, Dai Yu observed, drying her tears, I feel sore at heart. But my tears are scantier by far than they were in years gone by. With all the grief and anguish which gnaw my heart, my tears won't fall plentifully. This is because weeping has become a habit with you, Bao Yu added. But 
Don't you fancy to yourself that it is so? How can your tears have become scantier than they were? While arguing with her, he perceived a young waiting-maid attached to his room, bring him a red felt wrapper. Our senior mistress, Lady Jia Zhu, she went on, has just sent a servant to say that, as it snows, arrangements should be made for inviting people tomorrow to write verses. But hardly was this message delivered than they saw Li Wen's maid enter and invite Da Yu to go over. Pao Yu then proposed to Da Yu to accompany him, and together they came to the Daoshang village. Da Yu changed her shoes for a pair of low shoes made of red scented sheep skin, ornamented with gold and hollowed clouds. She put on a deep red grey cloak lined with white false fur, girdled herself with a leopard's lazuli-coloured sash, decorated with bright green double rings and four scepters, and covered her head with a hat suitable for rainy weather. After which, the two cousins trudged in the snow and repaired to this side of the mansion. Here they discovered the young ladies assembled, dressed all alike in deep red felt or camlet capes, with the exception of Li Wen, who was clad in a woolen jacket buttoning in the middle. She Bao Tai wore a pinkish purple twilled pelisse lined with foreign ba fur worked with threads from abroad and ornamented with double embroidery. Since Xiu Yan was still attired in an old costume she ordinarily used at home, without any garment for protection against the rain. Shortly, Qi Xiangyun arrived. She wore the long pelisse given her by Dowager Lady Jia which gave warmth both from the inside and outside. As the top consisted of martin head fur and the lining of the long-haired coat of the dark gray squirrel, on her head she had a deep red wooden hood made a la Jiao Jun with designs of clouds scooped out on it. This was lined with gosling yellow, ghost-rigged silk. Round her neck she had the color of sable fur. Just see here! Da Yu was the first to shout with a laugh. Here comes Xun Xinjie, the monkey walker. Lo, like him, she holds a snow cloak and purposely puts on the air of a young bewitching ape. Look here, all of you, Xiang Yun laughed. See what I wear inside. So saying, she threw off her cloak. This enabled them to notice that she wore underneath a half-new garment with three different colored borders on the collar and cuffs, consisting of a short blaze of rosette material lined with ermine and ornamented with dragons embroidered in variegated silks whose coils were worked with golden threads. The lapel was narrow, the sleeves were short, the folds buttoned on the side. Under this, she had a very short light red brocaded satin bokken lined with fur from fox's ribs. Round her waist was lightly attached a many-hued palace sash with butterfly knots and long tassels. On her feet, she too wore a pair of low shoes made of deer leather. Her waist looked more than ever like that of a wasp, her back like that of the gibbon. Her bearing resembled that of a crane, her figure that of a mantis. Her weak points, they laughed unanimously, is to catch herself up to look like a young measure. But she does, there's no denying, 
cut a much handsomer figure like this than when she's dressed up like a girl. Lose no time, Xiang Yun smiled, in deliberating about writing verses, for I'd like to hear who is to stand treats. According to my idea, Li Wen chimed in, I think that as the legitimate day, which was yesterday, has gone by, it would be too long to wait for another proper date. As luck would have it, it's snowing again today, so won't it be well to raise contributions among ourselves and have a meeting? You'll thus be able to give the visitors a greeting and to get an opportunity of writing a few verses. But what are your views on the subject? This proposal is excellent, Bao Yu was the first to exclaim. The only thing is that it's too late today, and if it clears up by tomorrow, there will be really no fun. It isn't likely, cried out the party with one voice, that this snowy weather will clear up. But even supposing it does, the snow which will fall during this night will be sufficient for our enjoyment. This place of mine is nice enough, it's true, Li Wen added, yet it isn't up to the Lushe Pavilion. I've already therefore dispatched workmen to raise earthen couches, so that we should all be able to sit around the fire and compose our verses. Our venerable senior, I fancy, is not sure about caring to join us. Besides, this is only a small amusement between ourselves, so if we just let that Hosey phone know something about it, it would be quite enough. A tale from each of you will be ample, but send your money to me here. As regards Xiangling, Baoqing, Li Wen, Li Qi, and Xiu Yan, the five of them, we needn't count them. Neither need we include the two girls of our number who are ill, nor take into account the four girls who've asked for leave. If you will let me have your four shares, I'll undertake to see that five or six tales be made to suffice. Bao Chai and the others, without exception, signified their acquiescence. They consequently proceeded to propose the themes and to fix upon the rhymes. I've long ago, smiled Li Wen, settled them in my own mind. So tomorrow at the proper time, you'll really know all about them. At the conclusion of this remark, they indulged in another chat on irrelevant topics, and this over, they came into only the jar's quarters. Nothing of any note transpired during the course of that day. At an early hour on the morrow, Bao Yu, for he had been looking forward with such keen expectation to the coming events that he had found it impossible to have any sleep during the night, jumped out of bed with the first blush of dawn. Upon raising his curtain and looking out, he observed that, albeit the doors and windows were as yet closed, a bright light shone on the lattice sufficient to dazzle the eyes, and his mind began at once to entertain misgivings and to feel regrets in the assurance that the weather had turned out fine and that the sun had already risen. In a hurry, he simultaneously sprung to his feet and flung the window frame open. Then, casting a glance outside from within the glass casement, he realized that it was not the reflection of the sun, but that of the snow, which has fallen throughout the night to the depth of over a foot, and that the heavens were still covered as if with twisted cotton and unrivaled floors. Bao Yu got, by this time, into an unusual state of exhilaration. Hastily calling up the servants and completing his ablutions, 
he robed himself in an eggplant-colored camlet, fox-fur-lined pelisse, donned a short-sleeved falconry surtout, ornamented with water dragons, tied a sash round his waist, threw over his shoulders a fine bamboo waterproof, covered his head with a golden rattan ring hat, put on a pair of shatang wood clocks, and rushed out with precipitate step towards the direction of the Liuxia pavilion. As soon as he sallied out of the gate of the courtyard, he gazed on all four quarters. No trace whatever of any other color but white struck his eye. In the distance stood the green fir trees and the kingfisher-like bamboos. The two looked, however, as if they were placed in a glass bowl. Forthwith he wended his way down the slope and trudged along the foot of the hill. But the moment he turned the bend, he felt a whiff of cold fragrance come wafted into his nostrils. Turning his head, he espied ten and more red plum trees over at Miao Yue's in the Long Tui Monastery. They were red like very rouge, and reflecting the white color of the snow, they showed off their beauty to such an extraordinary degree as to present a most pleasing sight. Pao Yu quickly stood still and gazed with all intentness at the landscape for a time. But just as he was proceeding on his way, he caught sight of someone on the wasp waist wooden bridge, advancing in his direction, with an umbrella in hand. It was a servant dispatched by Li Wen to request Lady Feng to go over. On his arrival in the Luxia pavilion, Pao Yu found the maids and matrons engaged in sweeping away the snow and opening a passage. This Luxia, meaning water rush snow, pavilion was, we might explain, situated on a side hill in the vicinity of a stream and spanned the rapids formed by it. The whole place consisted of several thatched roofs, mud walls, side fences, bamboo lattice windows, and pushing windows, out of which fishing lines could be conveniently dropped. On all four sides flourished one mass of reeds, which concealed the single path out of the pavilion. Turning and twisting, he penetrated on his way through the growth of reeds until he reached the spot where stretched the bamboo bridge leading to the lotus fragrance arbor. The moment the maids and matrons saw him approach with his waterproof wrapper thrown over his person and his ring hat on his head, they with one voice laughed. We were just remarking that what was lacking was a fisherman. And lo, now we've got everything that was wanted. The young ladies are coming after their breakfast. We are in too impatient a mood. At these words, Pao Yu had no help but to retrace his footsteps. As soon as he reached the Xingfang Pavilion, he perceived Tan Chun, issuing from the Qiushang study, wrapped in a deep red woolen waterproof and a Guan Yin hood on her head, supporting herself on the arm of a young maid. Behind her followed a married woman holding a glazed umbrella made of green satin. Pao Yu knew very well that she was on her way to his grandmother's, so speedily halting by the side of the pavilion, he waited for her to come up. The two cousins then left the garden together and betook themselves to the front part of the mansion. Pao Ting was at the time in the inner apartments, combing her hair, washing her hands and face, and changing her apparel. 
Shortly, the whole number of girls arrived. I feel peckish, Bao Yu shouted. And again and again he tried to hurry the meal. It was with great impatience that he waited until the eatables could be laid on the table. One of the dishes consisted of kit, boiled in cow's milk. This is medicine for us, who are advanced in years, Olidija observed. There are things that haven't seen the light. The pity is that you young people can't have any. There is some fresh venison today as an extra course, so you better wait and eat some of that. One and all expressed their readiness to wait. Bao Yu, however, could not delay having something to eat. Seizing a cup of tea, he soaked a bowlful of rice, to which he added some meat from a pheasant's leg, and gobbled it down in a scramble. I'm well aware, Tao Zhuo Lidi said, that as you are up to something again today, you people have no mind even for your meal. Let them keep, she therefore cried, that venison for their evening repast. What an idea, Lady Vong promptly put in. We'll have enough with what remains of it. Shi Xiang Yun thereupon consulted with Bao Yu. As there's fresh venison, she said, wouldn't it be nice to ask for a haunch and take it into the garden and prepare it ourselves? We'll thus be able to sate our hunger and have some fun as well. At this proposal, Bao Yu actually asked Lady Feng to let them have a haunch and he bade a matron carry it into the garden. Presently, they all got up from table. After a time, they entered the garden and came in a body to the Liu Xie pavilion to hear Li Wen give out the themes and fix upon the rhymes. But Xiang Yun and Bao Yu were the only two of whom nothing was seen. Those two, Dai Yu observed, can't get together. The moment they meet, how much trouble doesn't arise? They must surely have now gone to hatch their plans over that haunch of venison. These words were still on her lips when she saw sister-in-law Li coming also to see what the noise was all about. How is it, she then inquired of Li Wen, that that young fellow with the jade and that girl with the golden unicorn round her neck, both of whom are so cleanly and tidy, and have besides able to eat, are over there, conferring about eating raw meat. There they are chatting, saying this and saying that, but I can't see how meat can be eaten raw. This remark much amused the party. How dreadful, they exclaimed. Be quick and bring them both here. All this fuss, Dai Yu smiled, is the work of that girl Yun. I'm not far off again in my surmises. Liu Wen went out with precipitate step in search of the cousins. If you two are bent upon eating raw meat, she cried, I'll send you over to our old seniors. You can do so there. What will I care then if you have a whole deer raw and make yourselves ill over it? It won't be any business of mine. But it's snowing hard and it's bitterly cold. So be quick and go and write some verses for me and be off. We're doing nothing of the kind, Bao Yu hastily rejoined. We're going to eat some roasted meat. Well, that won't matter, Li Wen observed. And seeing the old matrons bring an iron stove, prawns, and a great iron of iron wire. 
Mind you, don't cut your hands, he even resumed, for we won't have any crying. This remark concluded, she walked in. Lady Feng had sent Ping Er from her quarters to announce that she was unable to come, as the issue of the customary annual money gave her just at present plenty to keep her busy. Chiang Yun caught sight of Ping Er and would not let her go on her errand. But Ping Er, too, was fond of amusement and had ever followed Lady Feng everywhere she went. So when she perceived what fun was to be got and how merrily they joked and laughed, she felt impelled to take off her bracelets and to join them. The trio then pressed round the fire, and Ping Er wanted to be the first to roast three pieces of venison to regale themselves with. On the other side, Bao Chai and Tai Yu had, even in ordinary times, seen enough of occasions like the present. They did not therefore think it anything out of the way, but Bao Qing and the other visitors, inclusive of sister-in-law Li, were filled with intense wonder. Tan Chen had, with the help of Li Wen and her companions, succeeded by this time in choosing the subjects and rhymes. Just smell that sweet fragrance, Tan Chen remarked. One can smell it even here. I'm also going to taste some. So speaking, she too went to look them up, but Li Wen likewise followed her out. The guests are all assembled, she observed. Haven't you people had enough as yet? While Xiang Yun munched what she had in her mouth, she replied to her question. Whenever, she said, I eat this sort of thing, I feel a craving for wine. It's only after I've had some that I shall be able to rhyme. Were it not for this venison, I would today have positively been quite unfit for any poetry. As she spoke, she discerned Bao Qing standing and laughing opposite to her, in her duck down garment. You idiot! Chiang Yun laughingly cried. Come and have a mouthful to taste. It's too filthy, Bao Qing replied, smiling. You go and try it, Bao Chai added with a laugh. It's capital. Your cousin Lin is so very weak that she couldn't digest it if she had any. Otherwise, she too is very fond of this. Upon hearing this, Bao Qing readily crossed over and put a piece in her mouth. And so good did she find it that she likewise started eating some of it. In a little time, however, Lady Feng sent a young maid to call Ping Er. Miss Xi, Ping Er explained, won't let me go, so just return ahead of me. The maid thereupon took her leave, but shortly after they saw Lady Feng arrive, she too with a wrapper over her shoulders. You're having, she smiled, such dandies to eat, and don't you tell me? Saying this, she also drew near and began to eat. Where has this crowd of beggars turned up from? Tai Yu put in with a laugh. But never mind, never mind. Here's the Lu Xie pavilion come in for this calamity today. And as it happens, it's that Chit Yun by whom it has been polluted. But I'll have a good cry for the Lu Xie pavilion. Xiao Yun gave an ironic smile. What do you know? she exclaimed. A genuine man of letters is naturally refined. But as for the whole lot of you, your poor and lofty notions are all a sham. You are most loathsome. 
we may now be frowsy and smelly as we munch away lustily with our voracious appetites but by and by we will prove as refined as scholars as if we had cultured minds and polished tongues if by and by pao chai lovingly interposed the verses you compose are not worth anything i'll tuck out that meat you have eaten and take some of these snow-buried weeds and stuff you up with i'll thus put an end to this evil fortune while bandying words they finished eating for a time they busied themselves with washing their hands but when ping er came to put on her bracelets she found one missing she looked in a confused manner at one time to the left at another to the right now in front of her and then behind her forever so long but not a single vestige of it was visible what and all were therefore filled with utter astonishment i know where this bracelet has gone to lady feng suggested smilingly but just you all go and attend to your poetry we too can well dispense with searching for it and repair to the front before three days are out i wager that it turns up what verses are you writing today continuing she went on to inquire our worthy senior says that the end of the year is again nigh at hand and that in the first moon some more conundrums will have to be devised to be affixed on lanterns for the recreation of the whole family of course we'll have to write a few they lovingly rejoined upon hearing her remarks we forgot all about it let's hurry up now and compose a few fine ones so as to have them ready to enjoy some good fun in the first moon speaking the while they came in a body into the room with the earthen couches where they found the cups dishes and eatables already laid out in readiness on the walls had been put up the themes meter and specimen verses pao yu and shang yun hastened to examine what was written they saw that they had to take for a theme something on the present scenery and indite a stanza with antithetical pentameter lines that's the word xiao second in the book of meter had been fixed upon as a rhyme but that there was below that no mention as yet made of any precedence i can't write verses very well li wen pleaded so all i will do will be to devise three lines and the one who finished the task first will have afterwards to pair them we should after all pao chai urged make some distinction with regard to order but reader if you entertain any desire to know the sequel peruse the particulars recorded in the chapter that follows End of section forty nine